My wife is a true bird watcher. Any bird watchers, bird lovers? Just curious. Like you just love, yeah, okay, great, a couple. So, uh, so if you know my wife well, you might have had the experience where you're having a conversation with her and then suddenly she's not listening. And you find out she's looking at a bird in a tree. And she's like, oh, that's the yellow-toed, blue-breasted warbler fence sitter. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a real bird, right? And you know, she's like, oh, I've never seen one. And she, I don't know. She got a little notebook or this app, actually. She's, it's, it's a big thing. And, and here's the thing. Birds are, are really cool. I've learned a lot from my wife about birds and their habits. Um, but we had an amazing experience. It's been a couple of years ago uh, now when I was walking with... Uh, my wife and my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law, and she is also quite the nature lover and observer. And the two of them noticed something that the two of me and my brother did not notice because we're not observant about birds. They saw a hummingbird. Hummingbirds are pretty amazing. But they noticed that this hummingbird wasn't doing normal hummingbird stuff. It wasn't just going from flower to flower like you normally see. They noticed that it was going to a nest. Have you ever seen a hummingbird nest in the wild? It's amazing. So we've got a couple of pictures. I want to walk through these with you. Uh, here, here's, they were actually able to get a picture. This is one that my wife or my sister-in-law one took. That is a hummingbird at its nest. I think by standing on someone's shoulders or we did some kind of human, human ladder or something, we got these next two pictures. Look at this. Got an egg. And let's see the next one. Two eggs were in that little nest. All right, now you need to know the scale of this thing. Hummingbirds are tiny. Look at this. It's next to my wife's car keys. That is how big this thing is. It's like this big. Isn't that amazing? Birds are amazing. And I'm going to start out talking about birds because they do something very well that I think we can learn from. Uh, have you ever watched a flock of birds, the big old cluster of them in the sky as they just shoo, shoo, shoo. And it's like they've choreographed this amazing dance in the sky. And how do they do that? Or when they're all on, a, on the ground, on the field, I mean, a little boy just steps into the field to chase them down. And within seconds, they're all gone. How do they have such good reflexes? Scientists have spent a lot of time researching this. And, uh, you know, the, the idea is that birds, it's not that they're just following a leader. You know, you see the flying V formation. Like there's like a leader and there's a, some kind of hierarchy system happening there. They take turns. But in the big flock like that, it's not that they're just following one leader and then, you know, when Charlie says, let's all fly away, they all fly away. It would take too long. There'd be too much delay. No, it's like the whole flock, this is what scientists have kind of concluded, as much as you can, um, that the birds seem to anticipate the entire action of the whole flock. And so that almost instantaneously, they will all move together. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. And, and they are in flocks for pretty good reasons. The main two reasons are, are pretty obvious and, and pretty powerful. Like, one thing that is really good about being in a flock is that they're safer. They're more protected. As a big group, they're more intimidating to other predators. And also, they can look out for each other. If a bird gets separated from the flock, they could be in danger. And, and the other reason why uh, flocks are probably really valuable for them is it helps them to find food easier. I mean, instead of just two little BDIs, you got millions of BDIs, and they're all looking for worms. And then someone's like, I found the worms. I also think it might be harder because it's like, okay, you ate the one worm you found. Charlie, like, why did you tell us there was more worms? I don't know what birds do, but we're talking about birds this morning because I think they're teaching us something that we can really grow from. We're starting this brand new teaching series called Better Together, and hopefully you can see immediately 
especially in the little bumper video we just showed, like these birds, when they're together, they survive better, they're stronger, they thrive better. The title of this series comes from a book that I've recently discovered by a guy named Rusty George uh, by the same title, Better Together. Actually, on Amazon right now, you can read a Kindle version for free. So I checked that out several weeks ago. I was like, I like it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow from this. And I got, I got the idea from another pastor friend of mine. Um, but I was drawn to the idea of Better Together, especially as the church, because through the last two years, We've experienced a lot of apartness, haven't we? Not just from your church family, but from a lot of things. Through the shutdown and through the isolation and quarantine and things like that. And what we're seeing is actually, uh, is sad across the nation. Churches everywhere are seeing a huge decline in their people being involved with each other. Not just Sunday morning stuff, but less people are going to the events that, that we do and the small groups and the Bible studies and all these things. And, and obvious reasons. I mean, you know, we're staying socially distant on purpose and we're trying to slow the spread of the virus and whatever. Like, you know, the whole stuff that we're all talking about. But the sad thing is this. There is something that we've noticed in the midst of all this. There's a disturbing reality. And that is that also more and more people are suffering from loneliness. They're experiencing depression. They're questioning their faith. They're having issues spiritually. There is truly something to being together that makes us better. God designed us to live in community. He designed us that way. That's why, I mean, whether you're introverted or extroverted, uh, you need each other on some level. There's practical reasons why community works. Uh, there's a butcher, a baker, and a candlestick maker, if you follow me. Like, if you look at this city, we got people that do all kinds of different things. We got people that keep the power running. We got people that cut down trees. We got people that mill trees. And we got people that build houses. Three different groups of people you don't normally, right? We got people that work at the hospital. We got people that work in the schools and teach our kids. And all of these things together make a community function. But think about, like, pioneer times. I mean, back in the day, if you'd move into an isolated area, like, like, you're, you're all of it. You're going to cut down the tree. You're going to mill the lumber. You're going to build your own house. And then you've got to make sure you keep your crops alive and your stock alive and your, your ch- children alive. You know, like, everything's got to stay alive. And it's on you because when you're isolated, like, all the weight is on your shoulders. But in community, we can share that. So there's a very practical reason for community. Secondly, though, there's a very emotionally strong reason for community. Like, if you've ever had to go through something really heavy and really hard, and if you've ever had to go through that by yourself... It is difficult. You don't have a shoulder to cry on. You don't have a, you know, a, 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 a person's mind to bounce ideas off of. Contrast that with, hopefully, you've also experienced getting to go through things with someone else. Sharing the experience. Isn't it emotionally better for us? And then the area where I think God has built us most reliant on community is spiritually. Because in a spiritual sense, we need each other. Working through our faith journey is hard. It's hard enough trying to do it on your own. Man, it's dang near impossible. Because we need each other to help us understand what I'm thinking about God, how I'm working through my own mess and brokenness and baggage. Like we need that in our life. And so today I'm excited to look what we can see from the Bible about how we are better together as we talk about community. So if you've got a Bible today, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in the book of Acts 
Uh, Acts is in the New Testament of the Bible. It's like the history of the early church. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, look one up on your phone, or I want you to know, we've got a, a shelf full of Bibles over here by the coffee bar somewhere. Go over there and grab a Bible. It can be yours to keep. We want everybody to have a good, readable version of the Bible that's your own. Uh, if you just want to borrow it for the service, that's fine, and you can put it back, or just keep it. Write your name in the front. Everybody needs a good Bible. Um, and so we're going to be in the book of Acts in chapter 2, and we're going to start reading starting at verse 42, and just to give you some context of where we're coming in, because you might not have the whole thing memorized, uh, basically what just happened earlier in Acts chapter 2 is the church just started, basically. The apostle Peter has given this awesome sermon, the Holy Spirit came down, some miraculous things happened, and it was like the jumpstart, kickstart, very first day of church ever, okay? And so near the end of that chapter, chapter, chapter 2, in verse 42, we see how the very first church interacted. And we're going to find in there, I think, the tenets that make the church what it truly is. Let's just pick up there, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Note those four things. We're going to get back to those. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That last phrase is, is so cool, a little bit ominous. They had everything in common. And when you hear that, you might think of some sort of like social utopia. Like, I don't know if we're all just wearing the same single colored jumpsuit and getting in our little spaceships like you see in futuristic movies. That's not at all what this everything in common is about. It's not that they all agreed on everything. In fact, we're going to find out later in the book of Acts, they didn't always agree on everything. But the idea of sharing everything in common was, the key word there is, they shared. They, they shared. You, you can learn more about it in the next verse. It says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They shared their stuff, their resources, their homes, their food. It says, they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So that's the picture of the early church. That we at the end of chapter 2 in Acts, you just see this group of people. And the word I want us to use is together or community. They needed each other. And we're going to see as the story of the church plays out, if you were to read the rest of the book of Acts, that is the model. They're meeting in each other's homes, they're sharing meals together, they're doing all this stuff. Uh, we noticed that there were four things at the very beginning of that, that passage that, that I want to spend just a few minutes talking about today. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And so we're going to take those four, we're going to break them down, because I think as a church family here today, listen, whether you just got here for the first time today... Uh, whether you're a college student just moving into town today or whether you've been coming to our church since we turned eight years old next month. For eight years, maybe you were one of the, maybe you were coming to our church before we launched in this building and we were meeting in house churches like almost nine years ago. Like no matter where you fall on that spectrum, I want you to know that this is a community that together we can share. We can take care of each other. We can grow together. How do we do that? Well, the first thing that they focused on was the apostles' teaching. And this was vital to them. The apostles' teaching. This is why. Uh, so the, the leaders, the teachers, the pastors at, at these early churches, you know who they were? 
they were the apostles. The apostles were the group of people that followed Jesus for his three years ministry. And they sat at his feet and they sat around campfires with Jesus. And if there was anyone who understood what it was that Jesus wanted us to do in the world, it was these apostles. And so as the church begins, he kind of ordains them to say, listen, you are the leaders of this church. So the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Um, Now, this is interesting. This is before the New Testament was written. It was actually being written right now. Because not everyone was going to get to hear from the apostles. They were a finite group of people. So they wrote down letters and they sent them out to all the churches. And they were like, listen, this is how you should conduct yourself. This is how you should do church. This is how you should serve the community. This is how you should treat people who are your enemies and people who are, you know, going against you. So they write these things down and they eventually become compiled into what we call the New Testament today. And so even in modern times, we need to be a church that is devoted to the apostles' teachings. Because these are the people who sat at the feet of Jesus and learned from him. What do you want from us? How can we change this world? I love the phrase that God wants to partner with us to change the world. And one of the things that he did is give us these guys to teach us some things. And so that's the first of that list. They devoted themselves to the uh, apostles' teachings, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Now those last three, three, we're going to spend a few time, a few minutes on those. We're going to skip fellowship. I want to save it for the, the last because that's really the whole big idea of better together. Let's look at the, the last two real quick. Um, the first one is this. The breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Now, when I say breaking of bread, maybe immediately you're thinking food, right? You're not wrong. Food. One of the things the early church was devoted to was meals together. They shared meals together. They, they really, now, can you think of a better way to break down barriers and unify with someone else than grabbing lunch with them? What do we do when we want to connect with someone we haven't seen in a while? Hey, you want to grab some lunch, right? What do you want to do? What, you know it's going to be like a job interview that's going to be a really good one if they say, can we take day out to lunch? Like, you can really break down barriers and build unity over a meal. And the early church was really big on that. Beyond that, and also, sharing meals is a great way to take care of people who are in need. Look, if we're already cooking a big pot of soup for the family, let's invite, you know, the neighbors who maybe don't have as much. But there was a very special meal that they focused on weekly. Uh, It survives today in what we call communion. Uh, We've got these little stations, and we'll talk about them a little later in the service where there's there's a little cracker and there's some juice. I'm going to tell you, the early church had communion. They had communion every single week, but it wasn't nothing like what we do, man. They were like Thanksgiving spread, okay? They called it a love feast, and everybody's bringing it. You know, it's 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 a potluck, and people are bringing their stuff, and after church in the service, like right at someone's house, you know, we're laying it out in a picnic style, and everybody's enjoying the fellowship, and... It's a follow-up, and again, we're going to talk about communion when we get to our communion time, but it's a follow-up to what we see uh, the, the disciples doing with Jesus before he gave his life on the cross. And it's something that Jesus instructs them to do, that every time they get together and they break bread, that they remember his death until they, he comes again. This is something that the early church did every single week, which is why we do communion every week at our church. One of our goals, we're a non-denominational uh, independent church. Our goal is to, to do our best to be like a New Testament, New Testament church in, in 2021. And so what did we see the early church do? We saw them break bread together every week. Uh, and so that's, it survives in, in, in a symbolic meal that we have here. But the breaking of bread, it allowed them to remember the death of Jesus and his resurrection. It allowed them to share time together. It was beautiful. They also devoted themselves, the last thing on our list is to prayer. Prayer is If you're going to have a community focused around God, who's someone you think you should invite? 
God. <laughs> and so prayer is an excellent way of just communicating and communing with God. Prayer can be confusing. I've done several teaching series on prayer since we started this church here. And, and every time we get into it, I, I love the feedback we get because I think when it comes to prayer, we get confused. I don't know about you, but I've prayed for things and asked God to do things that didn't happen the way that I wish that they would. And so I'm looking at that like, did I, did I do it wrong? Is he not interested? Is he not listening? The more that I understand prayer and the more that I live my life, uh, the more that I kind of realize that God is always listening. And I believe he always answers our prayers. It's just that the answer isn't always yes. Sometimes it's not right now. Sometimes it's, hmm, let's just see how things work out. Sometimes the answer is, no, that's not good for you. You don't need that, or I've got a better, sometimes it's like, oh, you think you want that, you just wait. I got something so much better in store. And, but what is prayer? Prayer is a conversation with God. It's sharing my heart with him. Um, and we can do it when we eat, we can do it when we go to bed. Those tend to be typical times, but I'm telling you, uh, the more that we can get in the practice of just communing with God throughout the day, I mean, you're just having a stressful moment, and in the moment, if you can just be like, Lord, if you can just help me calm down right now. His spirit moves among us and it really changes us and it helps us. But what we see the first church doing is that prayer was something they were devoted to together. So we pray in our services, uh, you know, like we've done it. I think Will prayed a minute ago. And a lot of times it seems like prayer is just a transition. It's like, well, let's, not, let's make sure it's not awkward when one person's walking on the stage and the other person's walking off. Somebody pray as a transition. And, and it's easy to get stuck into those little ropes. But what I love is that recently, I mean, we do this all the time. As soon as we see a big need in our church, our church family, it often happens right after services here. And so maybe you've been around for one of these prayer times. Immediately, uh, me or someone will go around and we'll just tap, put a couple people on the shoulders like, hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. Can you just pull aside with us real quick? And we will gather around them in prayer. And often it'll follow up with like a group text or some more conversation like, hey, how's that going? We're continuing to pray for you. Because we can pray on behalf of one another to God. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These things were huge. But the one we skipped was fellowship. We're in this series, Better Together, and the goal of this morning is to just kick us off. It's an intro. We're going to get into some of the more logistics of how can we have community, and what does it look like for me to take some steps towards growing in community and playing my role in community. Um, but God created us to exist in community. That's what the church is. If I were to do a survey, maybe of this room or maybe a broader audience and just kind of said, you know, when I say the word church, what comes to mind for you? One of the very first things that comes to mind for people is a building. I, I'm telling you this, when we first moved to this city uh, to start a church and there was just nobody but like five or six of us and we were like talking about our church, the very first thing, hey, we're, we're have a church, they're like, the very first question is, where's your building? That's what they want to know. When you go downtown, you could say this. There are a lot of churches downtown. You noticed it? Steeples and all kinds of cool architecture. Here's the deal. I'm not slamming that. That's a culturally accepted thing. When we say church, we're also referring to a building. Also, the church is a, the building is a very functional space. Like, for example, here we are. We're sitting in a space, and it's very functional. It's funny that sometimes my family, when we're talking about coming to this building, we'll talk about, hey, I'm going to go over to the church. So it's very common in our vocabulary. Uh, one day... Venture Church will have our own building. There are a lot of people praying for that right now. We have been actively looking and trying to figure out the finances for it. Uh, if you want to know more about that, come and ask me. But I'll tell you this, it's expensive and we got a good deal here. Um, so that's, that's kind of where, that's the summary, all right? 
So, uh, but we'd love to have a building. If you're wondering, like, what kind of stubborn people are they that want to keep on setting them stuff up in the gym every week? Ah, uh, we're just uh, poor people. That's what we are. Um, not really. God has blessed us. God has blessed us with, with a lot. Uh, but the reality is, if we had a space, think of the other things we could do. We could serve our community. What if we had a, a food pantry? What if we had after-school care? What if we had a place where we could, uh, you know, uh, bring in people who need job training and maybe you've got skills that you could train? What, what could we do? Imagine just band members and production people. Imagine if we had a place where you could practice, not on Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be awesome? Imagine all these things. Um, so buildings are good. So I'm not slamming that. But here's the thing. I don't care how many steeples or crosses you put on a building. That is not the church. The church is people. I'm going to prove to this, this to you right now. Tomorrow, this will be a basketball gym. People will be sweating and talking smack and whatever happens. And it will and, and be a basketball gym. No one playing basketball will be like, this is a church. Because the church is not a building. A church is people. You know where the church will be at that point? Out in the community, shining light in dark places. The church is people. And the heartbeat of church is, is fellowship. Community, shared lives, being better together. Listen to how the first church modeled this for us. We kind of read it a little bit, but this is in verse 44. It said that all the believers were together and had everything in common. We talked about that. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. And every day they continued to meet together in temp the temple courts. So worship was a big part of their daily thing. They didn't wait till like Sunday to do that. They're like every day they're going to worship. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So this is a group of people who looked out for each other. And I want you to notice this. They broke bread together in each other's homes. They were doing stuff together. Uh, we have a staff. We've got a very small staff at our church. Myself, I'm the only full-time staff at our church. We've got Emily and we've got Ashley. And they, they do more than their fair share. We've got a lot of volunteer leaders. But listen, you don't have to wait for one of us to plan an event for you to get together with your church. You follow me? Like, this is just community. Inviting people over and having a cookout and meeting at the park and going to some kid's baseball game that goes to church with us. Like, you see what I'm saying? Because this is the heartbeat of community. More than just the organization, the church is family. And so our church, I can speak for our local body here, it's not our goal to be a mega corporation church. Uh, as cool as it would be to have 3,000 people packed into a place, uh, the fundamental value we want to hold on to is that you can still have family there. Now, now, I want to be clear. You can have family in large groups too. It's got to be deliberate. And some of those large churches are really good at organizing that type of fellowship. But what I'm saying is, the goal is not for us to be a business. The goal is for us to be a family. Uh, we were designed to live in fellowship. You know, when God created the first human being, Adam, by verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2, he already realized that Adam wasn't going to be good alone. Verse uh, Genesis 2.18 said, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Why? Because God knew that Adam needed someone to share his life's experiences with. To laugh together, to cry together, to work hard together, to play hard together. And that's what church needs to be. Community enriches our experiences, uh, but it also shapes us. Let me just take a little aside here and just talk about we have natural communities all the time. Uh, you work with people, you play with people, you've got neighbors and stuff like this. Uh, 
I believe that your closest community will shape the direction and the quality of your life. I want to say that again, make sure you don't miss it. Your closest community will shape the direction and the quality of your life. This is why if you have a miserable job and people that you can't stand being with, it's why you go home every single day hating it. Because it shapes the direction and the quality of your life. It's why when you're with people that just bring you joy and make things awesome, you're like, woohoo, things are great. Because our closest community shapes the direction and the quality of our life. I don't want to like downplay the role of God's Holy Spirit in our life and other factors, but I'm just saying, we understand. This is why so many people have part of their story where they get to a part and they were like, yeah, then I started hanging out with a bad crowd and things went south for a while. That is part of so many people's story because our community shapes the direction and the quality of our life. And if we hang with a crowd that's going to bring us down, where are we going to go? Down. We're going to, we're going to lower ourselves to that level. And so one reason why we're better together is because we're able to lift each other up. Now, I'm not saying that Christians should only hang out with Christians. Like get in our little holy huddles and never leave. Uh, how can we shine light in dark places which is our main goal. We say it every single week, shine light in dark places. How can we shine light in dark places if all the light bulbs stay in the box? Like that doesn't work, okay? We've got to be out into the world. Jesus said it this way. He said, set your lamp up on a lampstand so that the whole world can see it. So we need to be in the world. We need to be impacting culture. We need to be, but we need to come with the message of Jesus and his light. So when I say that our, our community, our closest community, shapes the direction and the quality of our life, what I'm talking about is the people that we allow to influence our decision-making, the people that we allow to pour into us, the people that are coming into us and we're going to them for advice. And if they're not coming from a place of godly wisdom, then maybe it's not wise for us to lean into that. We need those relationships because we want to help them grow closer to that light. But it's important for us to understand the impact of our community on where our life is headed. You know, this last couple of years, we have been fighting hard against a virus. If you were to rewind to 2019, 2018, none of us would have predicted how much this virus was going to impact our world. Would you? Do you remember when it first happened and they canceled the NCAA tournament or whatever first thing you heard about? And you were like, what? That seems crazy. And then when we first had shut down, we're like, yeah, man, this is going to be a rough three or four weeks when we shut down, you know? And so we had no idea. And so there's no question that this virus has impacted our world. But I want to put a perspective into your mind. I believe there is a plague that is destroying our world that has been around much longer than COVID-19. Uh, the easy church answer would be it's sin. Okay, so yeah full gold stars if you thought sin. Sin is, it hurts us and we need that. But I, I want to go to a different thing for our context today. I think that the plague that is really hurting us the most is lack of godly community. We just don't have it. Um, and that wasn't started by COVID. <laughs> that's something that's constantly been uh, needed in so many people's lives. In fact, it's not just lack of godly community. For many people in our world right now, it's just lack of community at all. It's hard to be in community right now. There's a couple of reasons I think that that is the case. I think the first reason is just modern conveniences. Things like garage doors and privacy fences and the fact that everybody drives their own car make it so that you don't actually have to interact with anybody. <laughs> you don't have to. You can just go hide in your little bunker and then, and then continue that. But then add technology to that. And I'm not talking yet about the internet, but let's just think about air conditioning and heat. 
Okay, like think about how much easier it is to stay in your house away from your neighbors and other people by just staying in your house and then add to that entertainment. I mean, there's thousands of, I don't know, TV channels and if, I don't know how many people even use like TV channels anymore. We've also got like thousands of streaming apps. You can watch literally anything you want to anytime anywhere like this is the world we live in and so it straps us to our couches i think about online bill pay and how much online bill pay has affected communities i remember when i was a kid there was like this ritual that my dad went through every single week and when i was really little i remember getting in the car with him to go pay the bills does anybody remember that like we we lived in a small town and he would drive to like the power company and like write a check Thank you, Donna, you know, and then he would go to the bank and I don't know what he did in there, but he spent a lot of time going to the bank all the time. We got dropped through it every single time. And then you would go pay, you know, another bill and everything you, you were in person, but with online bill pay and, and with like online shopping, like you don't even have to go to restaurants anymore. Like more and more and more, our culture is leading us to a place where it's easy to be isolated. So that's why this is becoming an increasingly big problem in our culture. And then add to that the false security of social media. Now, I, I want to first of all say social media has been a blessing, especially during the shutdown time. For our church, that's right now, we're using social media. We have this service on, on a social media platform right now so that people who aren't in this room with us can be with us. But I don't think I have to explain to you that it cannot replace a hug or a high five or sitting across the table from somebody with a cup of coffee. And I don't say all this to be like grumpy old man. I'm like, we're going to get back to the 1920s when everyone was dying of all the other diseases. Like, that, that's not what we, no. No, all this stuff is great. This is great, but we have to be intentional about community. And what I want to encourage us to do, and that's really one of the main goals of this teaching series, so we're going to be in this for four more weeks, is that as a community, we can say, no, this is important to me. This is important to me. I love uh, how many so many emails I got this week after I sent out what was a very difficult email to write and send, asking our church family to wear masks again. Oh, man, I felt like I was sending the nuclear bombs into, like, a peaceful community. I was like, oh, they're going to hate this. Um, and that's why if you read the letter, it was all about, listen, this isn't about masks. This is about just, let's just read the letter. If you haven't got it, I'll forward it to you. But I got so much positive feedback. I, I told my wife, I've never received more replies to an email from the church than to this one. And I, so thank you, those of you who did that. Because I think we all get it. It's like, look, we're just trying. There's, there's priorities and there's priorities. And so, you know, if, if I got to wear a mask to be with you guys more often, I'll do it. I hate, at the very beginning, I was like, this is dumb. I'm not doing this. I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm trying to make a community statement. I want us to be together, whatever it takes. And so, and that doesn't mean just this gathering here. That means like whatever we can do to be together in the community, make different friendships and help that grow. That's the goal of what we're getting into uh, this, this whole series. Guys, we are the church and the church is people and we need each other and the world needs the, the message that we have to offer. Jesus was God in the flesh that came to this planet to establish community with us. So many other world religions have this belief about a big angry God sitting on a cloud, you know, I don't know, throwing lightning bolts or whatever, that kind of mentality. But we have a God that came near because he is a God who values community. We're better together. And the first church was all about it. Again, Acts chapter 2, this is verse 46 and 47. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added 
to their number daily those who are being saved. That last little line is huge. Those who are being saved. Um, Listen, if you've been a believer for a long time, I hope that you can really grab on to this. If you're just visiting and you're still trying to, you're finding your footing in, in faith and stuff, that's cool too. But I, I just want you to, I'm glad you're here. Super glad you're here. I hope you come back. Um, but those of us who have kind of been in it for a little while, this is not just a social club. Souls are at stake. And when the community in the early church gathered, their main goal was to introduce people to Jesus to redeem their soul from sin. That's why they broke bread. That's why they gathered and prayed. That's why they worshiped in the temple daily. I want you to be thinking about people in your life that you're like, man, I bet they would be better together with us too. And not just us, but with their creator, with the message of Jesus. I want to close up with a couple of things. Uh, Really one big idea. I want to invite all of you to more fellowship. Um, not more Sunday morning t- church attendance, but that's great. And this is, a good, this is a good launching point every week. It's good to gather together and get on the same page and get into God's word and praise him and stuff like that. But let me just say this to a couple of people in this room, like groups of people. First, I've mentioned a couple times that this is your first time with us today. I'm so pumped that you're here. We just want to help you find community. And so this is my simple request of you if this is your first time. Just come back next week. That's it. We do this every week, and I know it's hard to make friends, and it's hard to get into community, and so just come, just come see what's up. Come see what's going on, and, and I think, I think there's pretty great people here. Um, they, we, won't, we don't bite. Most of us don't bite. Some of us are crazy, uh, and I think if someone does bite you, it was an accident. It's like they thought it was something else, but uh, no, seriously, like just hang around one more week. To another group of people, I, I know that since we re-entered worship services in, in person in February, we've had a lot of people come in, and I think some of you are watching online, whether it's right now on Sunday or later in this week, and some of you are in the room right now, and, and you maybe have felt a little bit on the fringe, because uh, you're like, I don't know, it's really hard, you know, you remember middle school? It's just like, I don't, I don't know how to get into the conversation. I get it, it's, it's, that's the way it is for me too. Um, I want to challenge you. I want you to start not thinking of this as the church that I got to go to. I want you to start thinking of this as your church family. And take a deep breath and be bold and introduce yourself to somebody today. <laughs> um, because that's how it starts. And, and it'll, be, it'll be a brief moment of like, ah, but then I'm telling you, you won't fall on your face. It's community. That's how it happens. Um, and then to all of us, I want to invite you to be part of what we're doing all the time. It's our goal as a staff to plan at least one monthly event where we get together somewhere in the city and we do something. Make an effort to be at that stuff. I know you've got a lot on your calendar. I know that especially those of you who are here setting up on Sunday morning when we plan things on Sunday afternoon, you're like, man, that's like 24 straight hours of doing stuff at church. I get it. Um, but if you go to our homepage of our website, jointheventure.com, scroll to the very bottom, there's a calendar on there. And we keep it as up-to-date as we can. We've got stuff planned all the way through October or November right now. And so get that on your calendar so that you can free up some other time and make sure that you're with your church family and be part of that. I mentioned already the college students that are, that are in the area. Uh, and so college students, come hang out at my house tonight, if you will. Um, and uh, I, I've already talked to a few people, so I think it, you won't be alone with just me and my wife and my, my crazy kids. And so, uh, but even if it's just us, we're, we're, we're pretty cool. My wife makes good food. Um, come hang out with us. Start joining, building some community, community there and help us help you find an anchor. I want to talk to our men and women. In October, we've got a men's retreat and a women's retreat. And I don't want to get the dates wrong right now, so I'm not going to say that. Look at the calendar. But we're going to be announcing it soon. Uh, and that's, a, that's a, a night away where you can, we're going to go stay in a place. We're going to 
just have a great retreat away, and it's going to be stuff that will not only just fill you and help you in your life as you are right now, but help you grow in community with each other. Um, and then another great way is to serve together. And so next month, September 26th, we're actually not going to have our worship services here in this room. We're going to do something that we used to do in the early years of our church. We're just going to cancel that service. We're not going to cancel the service. We're just going to serve in a different way. We're going to have some work projects in a couple different locations where on Sunday morning, you can just go and serve somebody. So we've got one or two projects here at the YMCA. So if you accidentally come to church in person, hey, you can do something else. We're building out a youth room back here for the youth in the community to just use. And so we're going to think we're going to do some painting. We're going to do some putting together some stuff and some setting some stuff up. It's going to be a little light construction. I think we're building a, a carpet ball table game thing. So some of you guys who like to build, be part of that. And we're also going to be serving at an elementary school here in town uh, where Dixie Smith works. And uh, she talked to her principal. And there's a few needs that they have there. And so just, it's in a very... Um, underserved part of our city and a place where they, they could really use all the love that they can get. And so if we can get out there and serve them on that Sunday, that's a way to serve. Now that's all the way in September. The last thing that I'll share, a way that you can serve, because as I look at my closest friends at our church family, it's the people that I serve with every single week, because I see them often and we have a common goal to achieve and we laugh a lot and we have a good time. And that is to consider serving on one of our setup teams. Um, we're going to, in a couple of weeks, start uh, something called Erase the Red. And it's just our annual volunteer campaign, so you can know what the needs are. But let me just tell you, um, this morning, like over half of our team, it seems like. I might be a little bit exaggerating, but I think that's about right. Uh, had to call in sick. And so the very small group of people got everything set up in the building today. We were glad to do it. We had a little meeting. We were smiling. We were laughing. And we, were, and we started a little bit late. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, here's the deal. Uh, a couple of hours a week serving with a church family, you won't regret it. And so I would encourage you, if you don't want to wait until we do the Erase the Red campaign and you just want to mention it to me or Emily at the door there or one of the guys on the stage up here, write on the cards, I'd love to volunteer. Um, we've got lots of ways that you can plug in and that's a way to do community too. Um, this is just an intro to what I hope will truly be a, a culture shifting thing for our church. And so come back as we continue to dig through it. We say that together we are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. That's our goal. We also have this motto that we use every week, that we want to shine light in dark places. But don't try to do any of that alone. Let's do it together. Let's pray.